Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Leader Daughter Love. It is yours truly, Kaylin Cummings, and I look forward to diving into the third word that God used to describe me, which was the word love. In case you missed last week's episode, I explained how I had to heal, and I'm still healing, and the process and journey it took for me to come into being a daughter of Christ. This involved learning how to honor my parents for who they are. I love both of my biological parents, yet my relationship with each of them in the healing process that took place was different. Pastor Welton Smith is who brought to light for me the difference between respect and honor. Our parents were the vessels God used to get us here, and for that reason alone, they deserve to be honored. In learning to honor and forgive them, I was then able to honor and forgive myself and not carry the burden of needing to be perfect. Understanding that even when I fall short, or had gone astray from God, because I am a daughter, God was always there protecting and preparing me. The final piece of last week's episode was the From God's Daughter to God's Daughter letter activity. This became a daily affirmation that I said out loud each and every day to remind myself to embrace who I am and accept the love of God. And per usual, give myself some grace. Feel free to check out episode two, part one, about hearing how I became and embraced being a daughter of Christ. Without further ado, welcome to episode three of the podcast, Leader Daughter Love. Now, to be very honest, love is still a very touchy topic and subject for me. It is also something that I am still navigating. When I talk about love, I am not talking about sex. (laughs) Um, I know sometimes there is a correlation between love and sex, and so I am not talking about sex in this episode. However, I am going to lay the foundation for my current understanding of love and why God would call me love. Now, if you haven't checked out the first couple episodes, um, when God was revealing to me who I was in Him, A lot of my response each and every time was like, "Mm, shock and confusion. As I reflect even further, I believe my response was actually founded in fear. Because again, I had heard so many opinions about who I was and who I was going to become and who I was going to be in the future um, from so many people. And so those opinions were both good and bad. And maybe you're nothing like me, but I was just waiting for another bad thing to be said Um, It is easier to remember the awful and negative experiences um, and things that people have said to us or about us or the experiences we've had. And so someone saying to us, you know, very negative things and in our hearts and minds we don't agree, it can kind of cause some confliction. And so God using this word to describe me when I didn't see myself as lovable, nor did I have the ability to love without fear, control, or manipulation, required research. And even as I am sharing this with you today, I will be very honest to say that I am still researching and that I'm still deepening my understanding of the word and the actions that coincide with it. Y'all, it is a journey. (laughs) However, in navigating all of this, you must remember that you are having to unlearn some of the things that you were taught and you are having to forget some of the things that you even saw. I want to say that again. You, in this journey, in this process, are having to unlearn some of the things that you were taught and forget some of the things that you saw. 
everything that you saw and everything that you heard, everything that was taught to you was not correct. And for many of us, what we were taught wasn't even up to us. But as the lyricist Ivy Soul said, what happened to me isn't my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal. I want to use this moment to encourage you to tackle some of the difficulties maybe others in your family have overlooked or even ignored. It is my absolute belief that when you heal, you are not only breaking generational curses in your bloodline, but you are also reinstating the foundation of what it means to love and to be loved. Now, I'm going to take a moment and ask you to write down very quickly or type in your phone notes three things that you love about yourself. Please take the next couple seconds to do so and I'll be right back. In today's episode, I am not going to go too in-depth about whether or not you were able to write, say, three things down um, that you loved about yourself. We will actually save that for another time. I would like to instead use today's activity to highlight two specific points. The first point is that there is something lovable about you. Even if you typed one thing, if you were able to type or write five different things, I would like for you to know that there is something lovable about you. Second point is that if you are able to love who you are, then loving someone who has not been able to identify what is lovable about themselves won't be as challenging. So I'm going to say that again. Let me back up. If you love who you are, then loving someone who has not been able to identify what is lovable about themselves won't be as challenging to you. If you love who you are and you find characteristics and qualities about yourself, then someone who is not on the same level of love that you are on, who has not come into who they are in God or has been able to take off the blinders, it won't be as challenging and difficult to love them. Today, I'm going to dive right in and I want to begin with the text that many of us know and heard probably even during last week's Easter sermons, which is John 3.16. I'm sure you won't even have to turn to the chapter because this is a chapter and a verse that many of us, probably even ourselves growing up, used in our own Easter speeches. Nevertheless, the text reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm reading from the King James Version, so I'm going to read that one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And let the church say amen to the reading of the word. (laughs) So back to point number one. There is something lovable about you. You're probably thinking, well, Kaylin, how do you know there's something lovable about me? Or maybe you weren't even able to write down during that activity things that you loved about yourself. I can say this with such conviction because you were an epic idea to God. 
And because you were such an epic idea, God said, you know what? Let me let this man and this woman, so your mama and your daddy, come together so that you, the idea, is manifested into the earth. I'm going back to why it is important to honor your parents because in this very act, we're able to see how God used your parents for your good. Had your parents not gotten together, you would not be here. And therefore, they came together to manifest you. Point number two, if you are If you love who you are and if you are able to love who you are and identify qualities about yourself that you love, then loving someone who has not been able to identify what is lovable about themselves won't be as challenging. Point number two, (laughs) up top, I want to say that I am so thankful that God was willing to give something for me and what God gave for me was big God gave his son God didn't give a few dollars God didn't even give a million dollars God gave a part of himself so that you and I could live the love that God has for you has not been backed by control or manipulation it was actually backed by sacrifice The way this encompasses all into my second point is that you should be able to love someone despite flaws, insecurity, fear, and even how they look at themselves. My specific prayer last year became, God, allow me to see people the way you see them. God, help me put down the burden and the pain. God, give me the strength and the freedom to not carry the weight of bitterness. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not justifying what people have done to you, what people have said about you, nor am I justifying how they treated you. I am saying that when you walk in the authentic love of God, you will quickly understand that most of the times people are doing to you and are projecting onto you what they are doing to themselves. They are battling a war inside. And so someone who is angry, someone who is bitter, someone who is negative, someone who has the inability to connect, you know, they energy, they vibes are off, they're bad. It is ultimately just a reflection about how they feel inside. And so you may have been trying to push or give love or display love to someone who is unable to receive it because of how they view themselves. I believe this is one of the reasons I struggled so long with love and the principle of love because I was sacrificing with the expectation that my sacrifice would be received and then returned. Um, I was giving love the way that I needed to be loved. And so I realized um, very quickly what my love language was. And um, in another episode, we will go into deeper about love languages and all of that. But I began to give words of affirmation and I wanted to spend all of this quality time with people. um, And that love was not being returned. Um, That love was not reciprocated. And so I was sacrificing And because, just as we read from the text, love is about giving, so love is about that sacrifice. I was sacrificing because it is what I felt I should do. Um, And then it even became more so, if I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? Um, There were times where the love I had to give or even wanted to give was rejected. 
um, because of that rejection, my love became toxic and shifted from or shifted to, well, I did that for you. You should do that for me. It was controlling and it had a void connected to it. And I had met up in my head and in my mind that somehow because I had chosen with my own free will to do anything at all to, for, or about someone that they should in return have done something for me. I was completely disregarding their own free will and their feelings. Um, I was disregarding where they are and where they may have been in that season of life. Um, I disregarded um, even watching how they treated themselves and how they felt about themselves. And so I began to expect and then manipulate, um, well, I did that for you, so why you ain't doing this for me? Again, free will. No one put a gun to my head. No one told me I had to do anything. I wasn't forced. I wasn't coerced. Um, no one said to me, Kaylin, you have to do this for this person. You have to love this person. I had decided for multiple reasons, I'm going to give love by my own choice. The Bible does not say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and the world was thankful and everyone sacrificed their son. In fact, <laughs> my understanding of God giving this ultimate sacrifice for me, even after I had rejected God's love, was um, very eye-opening. It was eye-opening because I, I began to think of the word sacrifice. Who really wants to sacrifice? I mean, not to be funny, that does not sound fun. Um, can you imagine me like, hey, you want to sacrifice? Hey, you want to give up something for me? Hey, will you give up something that means the world to you about me? I don't even know many parents with children who would be like willing to like sacrifice their own children. I myself don't have children just yet. Um, but I don't even want to imagine like having a baby and then having to give up my baby for the entire human race, um, an entire human race that I don't even know. And even if I did know them, I wouldn't want or desire to give up my precious bundle of joy. Um, and so if I had to do this, my hope and prayer is that I would have the Abraham approach and so Abraham um, is, a, is a man, um, and there's a story of Abraham um, in the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 22. And God instructs Abraham to take his son that he loved and he had waited so patiently for and sacrifice him. The same son God had promised. Again, the same son that Abraham waited years to have. God was like, take him up to the mountain and um, sacrifice him. There are a couple points that stick out to me um, with this whole Abraham experience. The first is Abraham's obedience. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. Even when you feel that God is telling you to do something sacrificial. Although Abraham hadn't fully understood, nor did God give Abraham many details, Abraham's faith was grounded and firm. And so, you know what Abraham did? He packed up his son Isaac. He said, yo, pack up your things. 
we finna go head out. Uh, we're going on a journey. We got some stuff to handle with God. And so I can only imagine um, being Isaac, like the son of Abraham, walking up the mountain. Uh, like, all right, Dad, you know, I packed up the firewood, Dad. You know, I got the, I got the, we got the knives, you know, we got the, I got the matches. All right, Dad, I'm ready for this trip. But, Dad, I ain't seen you uh, put nothing in the car. Uh, I haven't seen you pack anything up. What are we, you know, what are we sacrificing? And in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 22, Isaac, his son, literally says, uh, you know, Dad, going up here, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the sacrifice, you know. And his dad said to him, you know, Isaac, God is going to provide. Had I been Isaac, I would have been like, nah, something, <laughs> something up. I don't really, I don't really know about all of this. Um, nonetheless, they get up to the mountain. They set up the fire. They set up the whole altar. Abraham puts his son down and is getting ready to, to kill him, y'all. And an angel is like, head up. Hey, hey, hold on a second. There's a ram in the bush. Take that bush or take that ram out of that bush. Kill that ram. Um... And this this whole experience and reading this whole experience with Abraham, um, it was very eye opening because I realized that I was loving and operating out of fear. I was using my love to manipulate relationships, friendships, opportunities because of the fear that I was going to be without them. I desired to be wanted. I desired to be loved. And so in my head, um, for many years, I had said, well, to ensure that I am not without, I am going to force this person, this relationship, this job, this friendship, this opportunity. Um, I'm certain that there's been a time in your own life, for those that are listening, when and where you poured out and gave love by your own free will. And it was not appreciated. It was not reciprocated. Um, and it was maybe even given to somebody who didn't even want your love. I want to take a moment to highlight free will. I think it's important to discuss this because it is not something. So your own free will is not something that God will compete with. I want to, I want to say that again, your free will, your choices is not going to be something that God will compete with. God is not going to compete with your will for your life. Um, and it is something that God isn't going to force you to give up because, because God loves you so much. God allows you a choice. God allows you the choice. Um, I want to be very clear. I don't want you to think for a second <laughs> that when choosing God and choosing to surrender and giving that yes, um, that it is going to be easy or that it is common or that it comes without weight or that it comes without sacrifice. It truly is a surrender. And it is something that I, even myself, um, having surrendered and having given that yes to God, am still navigating. Free will is also something that each person has. Okay, so I have free will, you have free will. Um, and so what happened for me, again, this is, you know, my story. What happened for me is I wanted to keep what I had. I wanted to save it. I wanted to have it forever. I was afraid to lose it. 
I was afraid to lose the job. I was afraid to lose the car. I was afraid to lose the apartment. I was afraid to lose the relationships, which now that I think about it, I don't know why I was so afraid to lose it because these were all things that I had been without before. Um, yet and still, I was desperate to keep him, keep all of these things. And so I began to force, I began to force things. Um, I knew what it felt like to be rejected. I also knew how to avoid rejection. And so I began again to operate in love and fear control of keeping someone or keeping something to ensure that nobody else would want it because it was feeding something inside of me that was empty because I was not made whole I was using relationships and friendships and opportunities to fulfill a void that at the end of the day could not be filled by a thing or a person hence why is my belief you should not come into any relationship, friendship, opportunity with this notion that this person is going to complete me? Because the moment that that person who has free will decides to utilize their free will and no longer desires the things that you desire or wants what you want, they can change their mind. But no, that wasn't changing your mind. Absolutely not. For me, I decided, no, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to manipulate your choices. Um, and which is, which is very interesting. Again, the more and more I think about this, it's interesting because we do this to people. But God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't try to manipulate you. God doesn't try to force you. Um, when I've made very questionable <laughs> decisions and actions, God was never like, Kaylin, I'm going to make you come into alignment. I'm going to make you be a daughter of Christ. I'm going to make you come into your, who you are. Um, God allowed me my own free will and my own choice. And so in circling back to rejection, um, I'll use an example. My senior year of high school. I, along with several of my classmates, had applied to the University of Michigan. Fun fact, um, it was the only school I had applied to my senior year of high school. In my current role, um, this is not an advice. This is not advice that I would solicit to any high school student to just apply to one school. Um, that's actually one of the most um, awful ideas that I ever had, but, you know, I had decided I'm going to the University of Michigan. Um, and so I decided that. But University of Michigan didn't agree. And so I was not admitted into the University of Michigan. I was actually rejected. Mm -hmm. And um, it was interesting because in thinking about all of this, University of Michigan also had free will and a choice. Um, I find it most interesting that I had done everything I could do, y'all. Um, I've shared with y'all before, you know, I was student council president, had above a 3.5 GPA. I'm a student athlete. I mean, you name it, I did it. It was on my application. Yet and still, the University of Michigan did not want me. I can understand why people struggle with rejection, because even when you feel 
in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. I mean, you have put yourself together on a resume. You have it all together and you still aren't chosen. It makes you immediately look at yourself and say, what's wrong with me? Why don't they want me? For me specifically, I was a little I was a little more dramatic at 17 and so I immediately was like, "Oh my gosh, no school is ever going to want me." Um that was not the truth. Um but the truth was I had desired and wanted something for myself that I didn't ask or pray to God about or for. Um and I wasn't able to see that at first. I worked hard and did, and did, and did, and therefore felt and believed that the outcome should have been, yes, Kaylin, you are accepted, come to University of Michigan this fall, we want you. No, that is not what these people said. Um, and it was actually because of the rejection from the University of Michigan that my mom encouraged me to apply to another school, Uh, which ended up being Western Michigan University, which is where I matriculated from um, in 2016. And so in seeing full circle, having a full circle moment, I am able to see and identify that God did not force me, nor did God try to make me see Western Michigan as my blessing. God actually got out of my way, surrounded me with grace and mercy, waited patiently for me to tire myself out and then return to him or return to the drawing board and say, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? Um, To support this idea, there is a chapter um, in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, which reads, And the Lord directs your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. God has deposited love in each and every one of us. Um, God has deposited this love and has patience to allow us to utilize our own free will and judgment and desire just to ultimately come back and have a come to Jesus moment, which is what I did back in July, and be like, all right, God, nothing else is working. Those people over there are saying this about me. These people over here feel this way about me. I feel this way about myself. God, you be the tiebreaker. God, you let me know who I am. And as the tiebreaker, God said something to me that no man, no parent, no job, no, had ever said to me before, which is you are love. You are the ultimate sacrifice. Can you imagine having to give up the thing that you love the most so that you are able to be in the will of God? I believe that we are in a time and in a season where God is asking us, not only as daughters, not only as sons, but everybody to take their rightful place in his kingdom. And having several conversations with a couple people over the last couple weeks about feeling lost and confused and conflicted, especially at this time where this pandemic has, you know, completely taken over our lives, there are so many questions, you know. Um, 
And for those that are having those questions or having those thoughts of, you know, what does it look like being in the will of God? How do I move forward? Or maybe you ain't even questioning it. You like, that looks scary. <laughs> I don't know about this thing. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm scared because, you know, I've been rejected before. Um, my mama rejected me. This job rejected me. This man, this woman, this friend rejected me and God, it hurt. God, it hurt so much and it made me bitter. God, it hurt so much and it made me angry. God, that hurt is why I even distanced myself from you. Which means ultimately you distanced yourself from love. It is time to let go of the rejection. It is time to let go of the burden. It is time to let go of the hurt and the pain because who God is calling you to be in this next season of your life, you cannot carry that burden of rejection with you. This is not just for you. Um, This is also for me. Had I not let go of my desire to attend the University of Michigan, I would not have found Western Michigan University, which then led me to my master's at Wayne State University, which now is preparing me in three weeks to begin my doctoral degree at Ferris State University. I know that sometimes it can be, you know, scary to walk into the unknown. If you carry a burden of rejection into this next season of your life, you are not going to be able to fully embrace all that God has in store for you. Nor will you be able to love freely or fully experience love because what you'll begin to do is question when somebody's nice to you. You'll question why people are depositing into you. You'll question your very existence as if you weren't an epic idea and worth the ultimate sacrifice, which was the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. This week, I challenge you to spend some time asking God, who am I? And praying and saying to God, you know, God, allow me to see myself the way you see me. When you ask God to reveal to who, reveal to you who you are, don't be like me and have this expectation That the words that you're going to hear are going to be hurtful and negative because of past experiences. I mean, y'all, I just knew in my heart, I'm like, God, tell me who I am. And I just knew God was going to say something awful. I'm like, you know, I was just expecting the worst of the worst. And it's interesting, like, how how did you have this expectation when God is love, Kaylin? And when you experience the authentic love of God, it won't even matter Let me be very clear. When you experience true love and the authentic presence of God and the authentic love of God, it won't matter who said what about you, how they portrayed it. It could have been your best friend. It could have been your cousin. It could have been whomever. You will be able to love them freely despite their flaws without control or manipulation. begin praying um, in this season and it's my belief that God is requiring full participation careful listening 
and a level of obedience like Abraham. That even when God calls you to do something or to move that doesn't that doesn't even make sense or something that your flesh doesn't, you know, understand that you will stand firm in your assignment. Someone is waiting for you. And the only way that you will be able to fully step into who you are is when you let go of anything and everything that has burdened your heart. And so I ask that you clear your minds and clear your hearts and clear your heads as we go before God. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for life and that more abundantly. God, I thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share my journey and share my testimony. God, I ask right now that you would fill us with your love, that each and every person listening to this podcast, God, that in this moment that they will begin to feel and know you personally. God, that they will be able to put down the burden of rejection and put down the pain and the anger and the bitterness that they've been carrying for way too long. God, thank you for giving us the ultimate sacrifice. God, thank you for loving us enough beyond who we are and who we've been. God, this week, allow us to see ourselves the way you see us. I come against now every attack of the enemy that would try to slow us down, that would try to bring forth the spirit of fear or the spirit of insecurity or the fear of anxiety, oh God. Like, I, re- I rebuke it now. God, heal us and make us whole. Let us not rely on man or things to fill the void, oh God, that only you can fill. God, we thank you for who you are and who you are going to continue to be in our lives. God, give us the obedient spirit of Abraham that even when it's scary, even when we don't know the words, even when we don't have the weight, even though, even when we don't have the full plan, God, that you have gone before us and given us provision. God, I thank you. I praise you. And I lift your name on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Leader, Daughter, Love. I truly hope that from this experience, it pushes you to move forward and fully embrace who God has called you to be and embracing the love of God. Feel free to stick around to check out this song called Reckless Love. I look forward to chatting with y'all next week.